It's not like the Matrix, right? You don't just learn Swift and it's like, I know iOS development or I know Coke. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Basil Farage. Basil, welcome. Hey. How are you? I'm good, A Money. How are you? I'm good. Uh, who are you? That's a great question. Um, I ask myself that question all the time. Mm-hmm. I am uh, a developer, um, an engineer, um, an armchair sociologist, uh, openly nerdy. Um, I've been doing development for about a year and a half now. Um, I'm obsessed. I'm a big fan of Swift, as anyone who knows me uh, can attest. Um, I blog at uh, garglingwithrazorblades.com pretty regularly. That's where I, I mean, that's very technically focused, but sometimes I deviate. Uh, I'm also a regular contributor to John Somnes's thesimplprogrammer.com, which is more of like a focus on the the soft skills, sort of the parts we kind of neglect uh, in the tech world, like, you know, uh, exercise or taking care of your mental health. Um, I'm also the organizer of Denver's largest active um, Swift developer group, Denver Swift Heads. I'm for- working on my first iOS-related uh, book, currently untitled, and I currently work as an iOS engineer uh, for a health insurance company, and I'm a total Swift fanboy. So that's me, hopefully, in a nutshell. Holy moly. So... Do you sleep? Like we, we were no. talking before I started recording and, and you were like, I sleep sometimes and now I don't believe you. <laughs> Every once in a while I get lucky and I pass out or I just stand or no, I just sit and stare and then I fall asleep for several seconds and then I'm back. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. That does not sound healthy, but if it works for you, it works for you. Well, I, I make it up on the weekends. Um, like, uh, you know how, like, when some people go out, like, on Friday night or Saturday, they're like, we, uh, we should go see our friends and hang out with our loved ones. That's the time. Like, I'm basically asleep from then till Monday. Oh, gosh. So. Okay. <laughs> Compressed sleep windows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how did you get into development? You said you've been, been in the space for about a year and a half. So what was that journey like for you? Oh boy, uh, long and arduous, uh, but awesome <laughs> and and worth it. Um, so I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I told my mom, and I remember this when I was eleven. I said, 
mom, I'm going to build a robot. Now, at the time, the dot-com bust had just happened. Um, and so my mom was like, no, you're not. Um, see what happens to software engineers. And I was like, oh, dang. Um, and so for a while, I didn't, you know, it was always kind of like a pipe dream to, to get back into machines. And when I was in high school, I was always in the computer lab, always in the computer lab, um, tinkering around and messing around with stuff. Um, in college, I was the president of the game development club. Um, I was not in the engineering school, but somehow, uh, was, uh, able to, um, find myself leader of that group. Um, and, um, I, was set to go to law school. Like I, that was like, that was the plan for four years. I was like, I'm gonna go to law school. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, and like ev every kind of minute of my undergraduate experiences was, was sort of dedicated to that. I was that annoying pre-prof. Um, and then I think the two, th then the, you know, the market crashed, never recovered. Lawyers, you know, even at elite schools, had a hard time finding jobs. And then um, I'd re I realized that I kind of took, a, you know, I had, a, I had a chat with myself. I, you know, I asked myself, okay, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go to law school? Well, I want to eventually get into tech. Okay, so why don't you just go to tech? And my brain was like, that's a great idea, brain. Let's do that. Let's jump into tech. <laughs> I don't understand why you wanted to do this, do this strange intellectual side jig. Um, and uh, so then I was doing kind of, odd, you know, odd jobs for a while it, um, that allowed me to, you know, explore uh, coding. Then I picked up a, a job as uh, at a startup, literally just like three guys in a basement. And um, they were looking for... Well, what they said was that they were looking for an intern, but I quickly found out that that was all not true. <laughs> um, and uh, I found myself doing with the responsibilities of a full stack web developer. Um, and at the time I'd been coding like dinky stuff. I hadn't like, you know, like th this was like, this was like the real deal. I was just like solving, I was like, I can reverse a string, yay. Like I wasn't, you know, uh, ready to take on a you know, sophisticated stack, but um, that's what they made me do. And um, the experience, I mean, it's like a cliche, but it really is, it's kind of like drinking water from a fire hose. Um, I learned a lot. And I think I quit six months later because just because like I got to the point where it was just like I was just wait, like I was just waking up in in sweat, just so like nervous all the time um, and went to school, tried to study for a semester. And that was too slow and too, too like not boring. The professors were great. It's just that it wasn't quite fast paced enough. So then I went back to the self study route and eventually was able to con someone into paying me uh, into doing work for them. And now I'm, now I'm here. So what was your, I think it's interesting that, that when you sat down and you had your talk with yourself, mm -hmm. you were like, why are you in law school? And it was because you wanted to work in tech someday. 
could you ex- help me understand what that like what you were planning on doing in tech with a law degree? I wanted to um, build my own company and I wanted to um, be able to one, I needed to be able to code. But when you start a company, there's that old uh, adage, right? The first two things you need are an accountant and a lawyer. And now those things are programs. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, my reasoning was like, I will have the power of an engineer and the business understanding of a a law school graduate with an MBA. So, Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So how did you go about learning to code on your own? I mostly just sat in a corner and cried a lot. And Oh, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of that. And, you know, just um, uh, looked at looked at pictures of, of animals hugging a lot. Mm-hmm. So that helped. Um, but honestly, it's still – it's an ongoing process. Like I'm still doing it. I'm still – learning now just yesterday i learned something in swift um that had, i had no idea about previously and this is a language like i'm on top of like constantly and um the basically what i did was you know i tried to i sat in on classes at different universities which shall go unnamed because um you're not supposed to do that um and the professors would love me and so they wouldn't say anything and so they just let me hang out in class and i just you know uh, i'd sit in the front row um and i would just answer questions and um simultaneously I had a bunch of books and I focused really on the core. Um, so I picked up like the, the classics um, in the programming world, not just like, oh, I'd like to learn X language, right? I, I started, I went with really meaty stuff like CLRS, um, which is the introduction to algorithms text that's like infamous um, amongst, like that's, that's the book that everybody tells you you got you got to read CLRS um and and I got these books like I didn't just you know I didn't just magically know what books I needed um I actually got them from uh Quora so uh it's pretty amazing Google is uh pretty awesome but if you google the uh the phrase Quora and what programming books should I read uh it'll give you a really great list and pretty of pretty much everything you need to read. I mean, from programming pearls by Bentley uh, to uh, the, the uh, mythical man month uh, to, um, you know, the code complete um, just, just those texts that most software, not most all software engineers of a certain talent of a certain level uh, say, yeah, that is in my library because the, it's not just, um, you know, what's the new hotness, you know, it's not just teaching you like, Oh, MongoDB is nice now. So you should learn, you know, let's just learn that it's teaching you how to think the building blocks. Exactly. Um, and it's really, it's really meaty and it's, and it's focused more on, on, on just, you know, changing your thinking style more so than being like, this is making money now. Learn it. 
So are you the type of person who can read and retain really well? It sounds like. Oh, God, no. No? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm awful at that. No, I. Um, that makes me feel better. No, 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 no. It's, um, you know, I use this software called Anki, which is or Anki. I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce it well. Um, and it, um, focuses, it's like a flashcard program, but it focuses on your weak spots. So those points where, you know, the answer and the key is to answer honestly. Um, but if you can answer something quickly and succinctly, um, Enki will actually know and store that and say, all right, they know this card really well. We're going to put it, keep it in the stack and maybe show it to them a couple of days later. And then those things that you don't know or aren't able to recognize uh, instantly or, or within the speed that, to your preference, of your preference, um, Anki will show those repeatedly until you get them. And, and I can tell you that I definitely saw the same cards a lot. Um, <laughs> Because I just, you know, I just was just like, uh, um, so, so honestly, it was just a lot of grit. That's really, I tell people this a lot. People think I'm just being modest or, you know, just being like, you know, or, or even fishing for compliments. Um, but I say this and I, and, and, and I'm, you know, confident of it. I, I am a very dumb person and I don't say that to be mean to myself or anything like that. I just consider myself to be very stupid. If there's one thing that I do, I'm very proud of, uh, it's my ability to endure an unbelievable amount of pain. And that's, was really the key to success for me was like being like, Oh, I haven't slept for a day, but you know what? I gotta keep, I gotta, I gotta solve this. I gotta figure it out. And I developed this system similar to when I was studying for the LSAT, where when I didn't know something and I couldn't figure it out, I would analyze the shit out of that. I think you have, uh, sorry about that. It's totally going to be bleeped. It's fine. No. <laughs> yeah. I would just, you know, uh, I care more about the problems I get wrong more so than uh, the problems I get right. Because you can learn so much more about your thinking process and where your brain, your your brain, where your brain will, where your brain will automatically uh, go to, um, and what sort of uh, problem-solving style are you most um, inclined to uh, uh, to to begin with, mm -hmm. uh, or to to use when uh, solving a problem? So, so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of like repeat. Um, what did I get wrong? Okay, dummy, what'd you get wrong? Okay, don't do that again. Oh, you did the same thing. What did we? All right, let's why? Let's let's assess this. Let's analyze this. Why'd you? Why'd you get it wrong again? Oh, it was because of this component that you didn't think of or you didn't realize at the initial uh, analysis. So that was my process, and it and it's still. By the way, it, it's still something that I'm doing even now. I'm you know learning functional programming, and. Um, that's doing it, doing it once again, although I'm better equipped this time since I actually know how to code. Have so. some, some knowledge under your belt. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think what 
what I'm hearing you say that that is um, hard for me to do is that ability to step back and think about why why I'm not getting something mm. um, because I'm um, I'm actually very reactionary, especially with myself. So I tend to just like get frustrated and like throw my hands up in the air, and, you know, and then like three or four days later, I can step back and be like, why, why mm. is this a thing? But mm. that's not how I am right out the gate. And I wish, you know, I'm, I'm getting better. Um, I'm getting more yeah. patient as I um, kind of, uh, learn and grow and I, I don't know, get older or whatever, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, um, th- that's a skill and a talent you have <laughs> that I, I'm very jealous of, you know, um, you, you, when I, you know, I've met you before, you seem like a very smart cat. Um, so you don't need it. That's, that's really it. Um, I think you, um, I don't think you need it as, as much as I do. Cause I am again, I'm dumb. Um, so I, I, just, uh, I gotta, I, 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 uh, I think it was more my brain's way of being like, all right, what skills do we have? None. All right, let's, let's get this one. <laughs> cause, cause this one will, will, will save us. And, and if you want my a tip, my completely unsolicited, sure. you know, tip, um, what made this really easy for me and made that process easy for me is I'm um, of Semitic descent. Um, and so I am, uh, you know, I, steeped in self-loathing uh, but, uh, uh, and shame. Uh, but um, more importantly than that, uh, I have no sense of pride. So, uh, you know, like the embarrassment you might feel with like asking someone a a stupid question or like walking up to someone you've never met before and just talking to them Mm -hmm. like shame. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel shame about other things, but when it comes to people interactions, for whatever reason, it's, it's not there. It's just not hooked up. Uh, and I find that to be, uh, sometimes, uh, socially destructive, but, um, it's also a really useful tool when it comes to learning. Cause basically I can just look at myself and be like, all right, dummy, let's do this again. One more, one more. And it sounds like I'm deriding myself a lot. Um, but, and it, like, it, like it's coming from a, some low self-esteem. It's not, you know, I've got self-esteem falling out of my butt, but it's kind of my way of just like keeping myself humble and, and understanding that, Hey, there's still, there's a million things you don't know. So, yeah. Um, I actually used to be very proud. Um, yeah. Yeah. When in my youth, when I knew everything, I was very, very proud and, um, I've learned to let go of a lot of that. And I'm, I'm honestly a better person for that because I wouldn't be able to do the show if I wasn't afraid of asking questions and making mistakes Mm. and, Mm correcting myself publicly because when I make mistakes, I do them loudly and in front of everybody. Um, so that's, that's, that's a valuable, valuable thing. I think. That's so lovely. I'm so glad to to hear that from you. Some people never, um, come to that or build, build that. They, I mean, some people go their whole lives not building that. So that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think that it's um, for a lot of people, it's something that you have to decide to do. It doesn't sound like it was for you. But for mm. a lot of us, it's something where like we have to make a conscious decision like, OK, I want to learn. If I'm going to learn, I'm going to make mistakes. That's that's how I learn. That's mm. how anyone learns. So right. um, but that can be really hard to do. It is really hard. Um, 
Yeah, no, and I, you're right. I, I had a, a really great advantage because, um, you know, from the get go, uh, uh, I was, you know, you're, you, you, I mean, even when I met you at, um, was it Coco Conf? Coco uh, Love. Coco I was Love Coco in Love. Philly. Yeah. 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 Even when I met, like, you seem like a super sharp cat. And if you're not a super sharp cat like myself, um, it's much easier to be like, oh, I need to learn this. It's tougher. I know if, you know, for someone who, you know, things probably came very easy for you, um, you know, it, it's tougher to make that, that leap, but it's, it's, I find it very admirable and I commend you for, you know, coming to that realization and, and being comfortable with that. Cause that, that's a big deal. Well, now I'm all embarrassed. No. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, why Swift? You have all of this knowledge. You've learned how to like think analytically and learned about the processes and, and the logic behind programming languages and at least, you know, one or two. So why, why have you, I don't know, cottoned on to, to Slack? Wow. Why have you cottoned on to <laughs> Swift so much? What is it about it that, that appeals to you? That's a great question. Um, I, to uh, objectifying people as a proud intersectionalist. However, I will objectify programming languages. And Swift is a hot, hot language. <laughs> Swift is one sexy programming language. It is like, you know, oh man. Like, oh, whenever I see Swift code, I like straighten up. I adjust my tie. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know this was a Swift thing. Um, because it's so beautiful. Um, it's so easy to read. And this may be hard to believe because I'm, you know, so nerdy. Um, uh, but um, uh, I used to be uh, like a, a punk rocker. And that part of me still uh, um, sort of continue, lives on in sort of like my uh, intersectionalist beliefs and you know, my political views and, and et cetera. And what I really love about Swift is that it's almost, besides being incredibly readable and beautiful and uh, from, from a low level, just elegant, just lovely, um, at a higher level, it's a democratization of programming in some respect. Um, I Swift it's was specifically designed to make uh, uh, jumping into iOS, jumping into Cocoa, much easier for people with no programming background. Um, and I like that. That's punk rock to me. Giving people some, an incredibly powerful tool, and then saying, and then saying. Let's make it easy for you. Oh, and by the way, we're going to make it free. Oh, and by the way, you can do cool things on your own. We're going to open source it. Oh, and happy Swift open source day. Everybody. I know. I was going to mention that. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to give you this cool, powerful tool. And then we're going to give you the, the ability to manipulate it and do whatever you want with it. That's punk rock, man. That is, it's like a punk rock language. So... It, it, it really attracted me in that regard. I mean, it was the first language, like I've coded in a bunch of different languages and it was the first language where I was like, this, this feels good. Why don't I feel pain? Um, you know, as opposed to like, 
Objective C or C or literally any other programming language except for Haskell. Um, like it was the first, it was the first time besides Haskell or functional, you know, uh, programming, uh, a purely functional programming language that was just like, oh yeah, this feels, oh yeah, look at that compile. Oh man, no memory errors. <laughs> I get really into my code. Luckily my that. office is far away from everyone. So, well, so a lot of people who listen to the, this podcast are actually um, developers in the Apple community. So they are very used to Objective-C. Um, and in fact, my husband um, makes iOS apps as part of, you know, his many talents. Um, and so what I, I hear a lot of trepidation about Swift, um, you know, like Justin, I'll throw him under the bus because mm -hmm. I can, um, you know, he, <laughs> he really loves objective C because it's really verbose because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the function and method names are long and you can, you know, quote unquote, self-document code. And, um, so that's one of his objections to it, but I've heard other people, you know, they don't, for one thing, they've been programming with objective C for so long that, um, it's hard for them to, rationalize the time investment it will take to learn Swift when they're so proficient at objective C. Yeah. And, um, and it's also an evolving language, right? Like I think that late next year is when they're really expecting things to firm up is a thing I heard today. I might be horribly misinformed, but, um, so it's still, I mean, from Swift 1.0 to 2.0, it changed a lot. And I imagine from 2 to 3, it's going to change a whole bunch. And so it's kind of evolving. And it's like, well, I could keep doing what I'm doing in Objective-C, or I could take time out to learn Swift, and then I can take time to learn every time it updates. And they're big updates right now. You know, like Objective-C is still getting, it still gets like Apple new APIs all the time, but, mm. or... WWDC time anyway. Um, but with Swift, it's, it's kind of bigger leaps and more at once. So I am a weirdo, um, in that in a lot of ways, but, um, especially in that besides liking Swift, I actually also do like objective C. I like C based languages, the world, you know, um, is built upon C. Sometimes it feels like that way anyway. So that if you look at the most popular languages, right? Ruby, for example, and Ruby on Rails, you know, that whole thing, that's that's built on C. Um, and so I can understand why people uh, might cling on to that, right? Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, Swift has kind of demonstrated that, or the future really, <laughs> more than anything, has demonstrated that it, it favors Swift. Um, you know, it's easier to read. So your husband's point on self-documentation, um, well, how much documentation do you need if you can just easily read and figure out what's going on in code, right? You know, uh, in... in Objective-C, like, just to differentiate keywords and types, uh, types from C-types, right, you've got all these features, 
got these new keywords and uh, they all use that that at, that pesky at uh, at symbol um because swift isn't built on c it can just unify keywords and all those at a at symbols in front of every single type you know in objective c suddenly those are gone mm. um all these conventions that you have to adhere to um for example like the semicolon the semicolon is when you think about it as a programmer kind of archaic we don't need semicolons um i know the end of a statement if, you know when i can read it um you know um if i'm using an if statement i why would i need parentheses to surround my conditional when i know what my conditional is because i'm the person creating it right mm -hmm. um and it, this stuff seems, you know, and I, it, it, I, I am kind of being a little, um, I'm kind of glossing over some sort of major stuff, but, but this stuff is intuitive when you don't have to rely so much on those conventions that programmers have built um, to make easier when they couldn't use something like Swift. Right. That was the whole point of these languages. The point was to eventually get to simpler tools. Right. I mean, in the beginning, when we, you think about programming, right, like people had to punch in stuff. Right. It's insane. Right. It's insane. You know, and then you had the group at Bell Labs and they were like, you know what, maybe we can do do things a little bit differently. Uh, a lot of stuff happens. Um and, you know, with each iteration of languages and each, as the years just go on by, uh, there's, there's greater favor for things that are easier to maintain and easier to read and which are safer. I mean, we're, 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 Swift is, you know, unified with its, with its memory management um, and it unifies it's a, a unified language in a way that Objective-C just it never was like that. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, we're in a world where coding is more and more becoming part of maybe, because I hate to be one of those people who's like, just learn to code. That'll solve all your problems. I hate it when people say that. Right. However, it is something that if you have that in your tool set, just as a, you know, even not necessarily as a developer, I mean, it's very powerful. And as sort of, as I expressed earlier, I am someone who supports putting power, you know, or giving at least people the ability um, to be, to make themselves powerful. Um, to, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of making that process as easy as possible. I mean, I remember one time I heard, you know, I was I, I was in an Objective C study group, and one of the the guys was an electrical engineer, and one of the complaints that he had was, you know, when he was looking at Swift, he was like, "This seems much easier," and I was like, "Yeah, that's the point. Isn't that cool?" And he was like, "No, mm -hmm. a bunch of people are going to start programming mm -hmm. now," and I was like, "I I didn't say anything at the time because at the time I thought, well, that's really that's so dumb." Um, but what I was thinking was, 
what? Right. Uh, you, your problem is more people are going to be able to do programming because programming is so simple and in just software engineering is such a simple thing that just any old person can just pick it up in a day. Do you think that, you know, uh, uh, simplifying a language, which is, by the way, just a component of this much larger and much more intricate and much more complex machine, uh, you think just greasing that part suddenly will make, you know, you know, have, you know, tons of engineers appear overnight? You know, maybe hundreds, hundreds of more engineers will appear. And you know what? That's freaking great. Right. I'm happy. That's a good thing. We should be, as engineers, excited about that. Um, so even if there were thousands of people, we should be excited about that. But the, 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 the truth is, you know, your, your, his original attitude was, was just wrong to begin with. You know, it, it, it's not like learning a language suddenly, it's not like the matrix, right? You don't just learn Swift and it's like, I know iOS development <laughs> or I know, Pope. you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like it's not like that. It's, it's a difficult. It's still hard, right? Yeah. Th there's so many moving parts and like. You know, that's why, you know, people have written so many, so many books, people much smarter than, than us have written about this stuff since the fifties mm -hmm. and they're continuing, they continue to ponder about this stuff uh, and they continue to improve this stuff. Um, and you know, you may like objective C, I like objective C in a lot of ways. It's kind of like the wild west of C languages and I actually don't have a problem with its verbosity and it's kind of ugly. Some people think it's ugly syntax. I think it's kind of cool. Um, but the, the, the point is, you know, to, you, to make cool things, you got to just keep moving forward. And Swift is just a part of that larger process mm -hmm. of giving us the ability to make more cooler things. And they just open sourced it. When, 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 <laughs> When does Apple open source anything? Right. When is, you know, like, you know, when do they give people the power to look at what's happening on under the hood? I mean, it's awesome. Today, I looked at the repo. They started this project in 2010. Yep. They've been working on this language for five years. That's not that. That's deliberate. That that means something. That means that they're not just trying to create a language and be like. Hey, you know, it's not like Microsoft being like, here, here's C sharp. It's like C plus plus, but like not annoying. It's like, it's almost like a philosophical stance. And that's why I think of it as the punk rock language, kind of like how Node.js was the punk rock framework for JavaScript. Um, Swift is like a punk rock uh, programming language because now you're not just limited to doing iOS. People are already building, you know, server side stuff. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, when I saw it was a GitHub repo, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. You've yeah, got to be kidding me. I love that. I was, I wanted to post, uh, like, a, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. So I wanted to post that old Ned Stark meme of just like, brace yourselves. <laughs> GitHub, <laughs> the Swift repos are coming. <laughs> I might still post that, actually. Might as well. Just, yeah, because it's, it's, it is coming. Oh my gosh, it's coming. Um, and that's awesome. 
and I love it. And, and you can teach a kid Swift and there's so many lower level things that make it your, make your life just so much easier. And, um, my, honestly, my theory is that Apple's goal, like you don't just spend money on, on creating and further creating a language for five, already half a decade and, you know, on, you don't just put that sort of money and be like, and sit back. Right. right? I think Apple, I think Apple's aim, honestly, is to enter the enterprise and make Swift as uh, ubiquitous as something like Python or C++ or any of those other languages that are crucial to so many uh, people and companies today. So one of the things I'd like to go back to, um, to the person Sorry, who, no, yeah. no, 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 it's good <laughs> to, but going back to the person who, um, who was upset because it was going to enable more people to learn how to code if it was easier. Mm-hmm. I think that really speaks to the software developer douchebag <laughs> complex. Well, kind of, I was going to put it more delicately, but like, Oh, you don't <laughs> you have to. You I can think, be real with me, eh? Well, but I think that um, because I'm a nerd, right? I've always been a nerd. Yeah. And and I will always be a nerd. And I yeah. think that we kind of... I listened to the Marvel com- uh, uh, podcast. Sorry to interrupt. No, I was go just, for I was it. Like, oh, yep. One of us. Definitely. She's yeah, one of us. Yeah, uh, to the Jessica Jones yeah, yeah. rewind. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, I think that we kind of feel like this, like there's this sense of pride, right? When we learn something really hard, that's difficult for other people to understand, like that's something to be really, really proud of. And if more people can, can grok onto that, then, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not a big deal anymore. And, um, I kind of also, I've met a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, oh, that that prominent developer while well, I've worked on their code and it's not very good. And like, mm-hmm. um, like I, I just think that, that we, um, and I think that this, this also plays into, I'm still stringing my thoughts together. This is like no. a, a two year long thing that I'm Do your thing, trying honey. to articulate, but like we, I think that plays into kind of the racism and sexism that we see in the industry is that, um, that kind of like we've built the structure for, for a certain type of person. And it feels threatening when, when we try to open that up more. That was a very nice, very, very great. Um, that's a, that was a great segue. I got to compliment you. That was a, <laughs> was a very nice segue. I mean, you have clearly done this before. Um, I, I, I mean, I agree with you and I think it's, and I would, I would go even further and I think it has to do with this complex that um, is just symptomatic to geek culture and nerd culture in general. Um, so I started out as a nerd. Um, it was pretty clear. Like, you know, I got giant round glasses. You know, I've got like 75, you know, I've got Coke bottle frame glasses if I don't. And, and that's what the thin version. Right. Uh, I like to read. You know, um, even though I'm talkative now, in my natural state, I'm definitely an introvert. And that was the that was what I most identified growing up. I was like, I like books 
and The Legend of Zelda, and I like comic books, and I like space, and science is really cool, mm-hmm. and those are the things that I loved, and those are the things I identified with. But it sucks because I, I've never I, – I feel, I feel it now, but I had the hardest time growing up trying to fit into the geek community. And my siblings and I, because we're all, you know, you know, we're all nerds. It's really a family of nerds. Um, we talk about this all the time. We talk about how in our experience – the most hostile, the most, you know, homophobic, the most likely to resist change or be scared or, or react sometimes violently to difference has been the, our, our people, mm-hmm. our, our home, home, you know, our homeland of, of Nerdvilia or Nerdistan, uh, it's been them. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's this cruel, cruel irony because for years, you know, I thought of just nerdiness and, um, you know, the kingdom of nerds as being almost like a, a, a the United States for awkward people, um, right? Bring me your weird, your different, <laughs> you're really into Doctor Who. Uh-huh. And... You know, they 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 are welcome here. They are safe here, um, and it was a kind of jarring experience to realize that that was not true for all of us. We all went through it in college. I didn't hang out with the nerds. I'd love to. People would be surprised. Like people would say, you know, something about something something yada 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 video games and I'd be like, oh yeah, that was great. I played right now, you know, the first one is pretty good. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd go into that mode and people would be like, we didn't think you were like that. Um, and it was because I mostly hang out, hung out with like the, the college radio kids and like the sort of indie hipster types. And they were so, and you know, hipsters get a bad rap, but my God, were they so, they are awesome people. And so, they were so much nicer than the geeks, uh, than the nerds, so to speak. And, and I think it comes from, I think it comes from a psychological place. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I think it's like you said, part of it is, you know, you take pride in learning something difficult that no one else can do. And you, you know, that becomes important to you because in your eyes, you don't possess anything else and that's more often than not, you know, untrue. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, people who have felt marginalized for most of, you know, their lives. So they latch on to that and they use that as the basis of uh, their self-esteem. And, and, and when they see other people trying to, you know, uh, to, to accomplish that thing, Instead of being supportive, they deride them and they discourage them. And it's really not. And sometimes, you know, when I was first, you know, teaching myself to program, I thought it was something, had something to do with me. And then I realized, oh, this has nothing to do with me at all. This is, this is beyond me. And I think what you said about that eventually playing out into 
racism and sexism that that's and, and homophobia and, mm-hmm. and just trans fear that's just rampant in the industry. I know that, you know, people in Silicon Valley will, will, will their ears are probably wigging, wiggling right now and they're sitting up straight and said, you know, saying, well, how I never, that's right. how I imagined them, but <laughs> you know, cause they live in their little precious place. Uh, but, uh, that's not, uh, that that's that's it's not the case. It's not it's not we are not a welcoming community. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate to say, but we are not a welcoming community to to those who are who are different. I mean, the battle for I mean, women are still fighting the battle right. to be accepted in to geek culture. Right? right. My sister is like the not the, the empress of nerds. Like if she. <laughs> Like was put on an, an island full of nerds. Like she would be their leader okay. because she knows all things. Like guys will come up to her and try to throw her off about certain things, and she'll you know like delve into the you know ten uh, year history of Metal Gear Solid, and they'll be like, "Whoa, whoa, this is not whoa." I just wanted to be look smarter than you, or look like I was more of a geek than you. I didn't expect to be faced with the real deal. Um, so if, if, and my sister, by the way, is white, we, I'm in a mixed family. So, uh, so there's a, a lot of other politics that are, that are at work there too. But, um, you know, um, oh God, this is what happens when you just talk so much. You lose, <laughs> lose. what was your point? Your, my point is that, you know, if that was, if that's the difficulty that, you know, straight white women, um, are facing, God, imagine when when you move just a degree over. Yep. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And actually something I wanted to talk to you about was um, you tweeted the other day about white feminism and um, and how there are issues with white feminism. I completely agree. Um, so is that something you want to talk about a little bit? Oh, of course. Uh, um, if you have all day. Um... <laughs> I don't have all day, but I've got I've got a little bit. Okay. What would you like to know? What would you like to hear? Well, first, let's let people in on what white feminism means. Is that something that you can define? White feminism is, I wouldn't consider this an official definition um, because official definitions sound much nicer than what I'm going to make it. But white feminism is essentially feminism, um, it's almost like a bastardized version of feminism, right? Feminism at its core, um, and what's beautiful about it is that it is meant to include everyone. At least that's what I consider for as a true, true feminism or true, true, really intersectionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, white feminism ignores those other things like, you know, sexual orientation, um, uh, financial background. Um, race, which is a huge one, um, and strictly sort of um, uh, adheres to a feminist lens, which centers uh, white women um, at at the you know they become the center of of the the conversation uh, to the exclusion of other groups. And I, I think that's a, I mean, a money, correct me. Does that sound like a good? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think what I would add is that it's, I don't think it's generally, um, out of malice. It's right. just out of, um, 
ignorance. I is that the right word? It might be. I mean, I, I, I would just, I mean, I don't know. I'm also very like, you know, like the punk rock in me will come out soon, but like <laughs> just very aggressive about this. So I'm just like, well, why don't you just pick up a book? Right. Um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, I mean, unfortunately that's, that's what I'm going to have to go with is okay. ignorance because just because, you, you know, if it was the 1930s, like, okay, sure. Right. But like. Um, but presumably a lot of people know how to read and a lot of people also have access to the internet. Um, and so if you combine reading with the internet, sometimes you can learn things. Um, and so it's difficult for me to, to sort of accept, um, even ignorance Mm -hmm. as, as an, as an, as an excuse. Um, not that it's, isn't I mean not that it, it, it I mean it's not necess- like you said it's it isn't necessarily out of malice right but there's a part of me that's just like mm. yeah I think it's um so as someone who's kind of in the space of advocacy and I I try really hard to make sure my advocacy is um intersectional that it's like right. I'm not just talking about women in tech even though that's super close to my heart because I'm a me woman too. in tech yeah um but it's also like, yes, okay, women in tech have it hard. Absolutely. People of color in tech have it hard. Yep. Women who are not white in tech. It's like playing on extra hard mode. Right. It's it's hard to it's hard to find people of color who are women in tech. Yep. And then, you know, uh the trans community, you know. Oh God. It's all um, there. There, there are a lot of things that we need to do better. A lot of things that we need to do better. But sometimes I find myself focusing just on women in tech, and right. and I think it's it's great. And so many men are on board and trying to make things better. And I'm so appreciative. But I feel like you know we're saying, oh, okay, well you've hired a hundred women, and we're not saying, yes. okay, you've hired a hundred women. How many of them are are not white? And right. um. And how are, how are we going to solve that problem? Like, yeah, we're, we're increasing women in tech. That's awesome. But we need to do more. Right. We need to do more. And I, I fear that we focus so much on that, just like that, not even half of the population, because, you know, it's not just women and men, there's, there's the spectrum of gender. And, um, we focus just so much on that population, women in tech, that we are, um, we're not doing everything we can do. Right. No, I mean, um, I, I agree, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, we, we share some, I mean, I, I knew we would, we shared similar viewpoints and, you know, if true gender equality is, is the goal, right. Then it's kind of time for, uh, white feminists to sort of reckon with what, the, the, what I would identify as sort of ongoing mis, uh, mistakes, mistakes that are continue, um, con- they, they, they are consistently and they continue to be made. Like you said, you know, oftentimes we'll, we'll in tech, oh my God, tech companies are so guilty of this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they'll hire a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, of, of white women and they'll display them on a board and they'll be like, see, we're really diverse. And like, here's the thing. I grew up uh, 
you know, I was going to be a women's study um, minor or major. Yeah, they didn't have the major at the time, I think, in college. And I went to, I had office, I went to the office hours of one of the women in color, a woman of color um, who uh, was a professor there. Okay. And I remember being like, I want to do women's studies, but I want to focus on, because like to me, white women, I think are doing, they're not, things aren't perfect by any means, mm-hmm. but you know, I really care about, you know, um, uh, women of color, um, Asian women, African women, Arab women. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Especially someone for, with a Middle Eastern background. Um, you know, uh, those are the people I care about. And I remember her looking at me and being like, if that's what you care about, do not major in women, do not minor in women's studies. And it was really jarring for me. Um, because it meant it, it, it kind of pulled back the curtain on what was that, what it seemed like was going on. Right. Um, you know, tech is, is doing a great job of, of at least trying at least, I mean, they're not done by any means, they're not, but, but they're, but they're really going, they're really, tr- they're, and not everybody, right. but, but they are trying to involve more women. And I see it. I see how excited they get and how act, you know, how involved they are in the pipeline programs that are developed specifically for them. But the thing is, is um, there are even less people of color in tech statistically. I think it's like, uh, I mean, they're both abysmal numbers, but I think for women it, in general, uh, I forget excluding white women with the exact or excluding women of color precisely. It's a, around 20 some percent. And then people are color uh, it's like five percent, something abysmal, or less. Yeah, and um, and and it's frustrating from from my perspective because it's like you know it's you know it's meant to increase you know these these initiatives that, that these tech companies are, are putting out are meant to um, diversify and empower. The companies, you know, it doesn't just empower the women; it empowers the companies because it gives, it gives, you know, uh, it gives them a different viewpoint, it gives them a different, different people, people who look at life differently, um, and who deal with different issues than 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 men. And but the problem is, those women, at least in my experience, and this is strictly anecdotal, so I could be completely wrong, tend to be of the same background, Mm -hmm. wealthy white women, women who, you know, have always had the means to succeed and would succeed regardless of whether they uh, went into tech or not. Whereas, you know, that, you know, it's frustrating because if these programs are designed to, you know, um, push people who we believe won't come to tech because of things that are outside of their control. Um, then it needs then then the the pool of people who are included needs to be expanded. And I haven't seen that expansion. I, in my personal experience, rarely 
see that expansion. I've seen a constant appeal uh, or a constant, you know, sort of courting of, of, you know, white women and, you know, people of color, uh, both men and women are left in the, um, left in the dust. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's more problematic for me, um, and I should, I should also, I should say that, you know, I, you know, even though I am Brown, I am Middle Eastern. Um, so I suffer from racism, but it's my relationship to it is definitely very different. You know, these people of color don't have the same networks. They don't have necessarily have the same backgrounds. Uh, they don't have the same experiences as these other people. And to me, it seems almost like these, these companies are reaching for the low hanging fruit and then patting themselves on the back for, for it. You know, um, and that makes me mad. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's really troubling because, you know, if you want to really hear about someone who's angry about white feminism, ask literally any black chick. Like, I don't know how many, if you know, if you know any black chick, just go say white feminism and see, watch as their face contorts because they know what it ultimately means when the word feminism is used in Silicon Valley. It doesn't mean them. It, it means, it means a, a, in my mind, I imagine a blonde chick in J. Crew um, clothing who, you know, her, you know, uh, things didn't work out uh, trying to get into medical school. So, and it isn't always like that. I'm just generalizing because right. I'm mad. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's 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 what I see. Right. Uh, that's I'm sure I'm sure uh, that that, that there would be a lot of women of color who agree with who who'd agree with me. Uh, and it sucks, too, because if you point that out and you speak out about it, you are hit with a hammer. I just. Um, yeah, mostly want to. Yeah, it's important to to think about women in tech as as all women in tech. And I totally agree with you. Something that I thought was, was really interesting is that, um, last year in 2014 Intel, um, I think it was $3 million. I want to say 3 million Intel decided that they were going to spend $3 million over a period of several years to increase diversity at Intel. Mm-hmm. And in their one year report and people who have listened to the show know I've, I've brought it up a couple of times, but in their one year, like, how are we doing check in? <laughs> um, they were like, it's really hard. And <laughs> I was like, no bleep word. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it, it's hard because all of the networks that you have built at Intel and other tech companies are. Yeah what bring the people in? Like if you want to bring yeah. different people in, you have to work for it. What? Right. And what? does um, this mean I have to talk to people who are different? I know it's hard. It's hard. I don't want to do that. I know. That's hard. I know. It's really nice. And I really love the Google campus. I never leave. I don't want to leave. Why are you making me do this? I hate you. Ugh, I'm sorry. You can hate <laughs> me. It's okay. People hate me. It's all right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing is like 
changing these spaces takes work, but before the work can be done, you have to realize that the work needs to be done. Um, and it's hard. And it's, and, and that's what frustrates me even more. Um, and, and kind of makes me even angrier is when people, and I've encountered, and I've gotten, I've gotten into arguments with, with old white guys about this, which I, you know, should have known, but like never expected it to, to happen. Like I've never had an old white guy try to best me in my knowledge of issues in social justice. That's never happened to me. Um, and it's like, it's cool because it's like, all right, you, you're, you're trying to become more aware and cognizant, but you also need to take a step back and realize, man, I've been playing this game for a long time and I've been studying this. It, it, when it comes to these sorts of issues, these sort of, politics, I think, and race and gender and all those issues um, that sort of roll, can, can be rolled into a single category, let's just call it politics, it's like the only area where people who don't ha like, have any expertise um, will, will, will claim expertise, right? Like I can't just be like, I'm, I'm a physicist. Let me, let me into the, I want to work on what the, I want to work on the collider. Let me in. Mm -hmm. What are you guys talking about? I don't need a degree. I'm, I, I'm a physicist. Politics is one of those things where people, you know, and I, and I, it's, it's interesting because it doesn't, I don't see it happen with other, um, in other um, fields, politics is the one field where people feel like they can have a strong opinion despite not doing any research, despite not um, really doing any of the legwork or the, the, the necessary groundwork um, to have those opinions. You know, there's this great quote that I love, um, you're entitled to your uh, informed opinion, you're not entitled to being an idiot. And I forget who said that, but you know, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but there's a part of, there is a part of me that just enjoys that, that there should be this expectation that when you form these opinions, you better do your God research. Mm -hmm. You're not going to come. Like I was once, you know, I, this guy, um, God, you know, this guy, what, what, what can I compare it to? It's like someone who explains to me Middle Eastern culture. Like it's the most patronizing bull shit. Like it's, I know this because I have studied about it. I've marched f for it. I care about it. I, I, go, I, I joke with my, with the, uh, my coworkers and my other, other developer friends, if I worked for Google, and like, you know, uh, we were to have the bus stopped by a group of protesters, there is a high chance that I would get off the bus and join the protesters to the protesters confusion. Um, <laughs> and because this stuff matters to me and right. it's mattered to me forever. And you've just jumped onto it and you haven't done the necessary research. You haven't, you don't truly understand because I can see you don't truly understand, um, and so for you to come and tell me that, you know, 
if we just focus on, you know, I've been told this before, like, okay, well, if we just focus on women, then the rest will fall in place. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Great. That's not how human interaction works. Um, and you're, you're, you went to MIT and are uh, supposedly a in, very intelligent person. And if you think that, holy crap, what must other people think? Right. And, it, and it's, it's just, it's just, it's just tough. And, and so, and the tech, you know, world, like, you know, that you meet these guys who are really, and, and they're, it's in good faith, who are very, very protective and defensive of initiatives that are for women. Um, and, and it's great, but I think they, you know, when, when I'm communicating with them, something gets lost in translation, translation or something, I don't know what happens, but I can see it happen. Like this switch turns on where they're like, you know what, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And the sensitive part of me says, well, there's race again, right? Like that, that right there, you dismissing me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like that, that's a part, that's like, uh, that's part of the problem. I mean, to speak from my own personal experiences, okay, I had a, a miserable time, time trying to get into the tech industry. It was so hard. It was so, so hard. I, you know, would work my butt off and try to ace these interviews and, you know, I only just recently, for whatever reason, um, have have achieved, uh, you know, a modest amount of success. And it wasn't until I had someone amazing, uh, a mentor, someone amazing, take uh, a chance on me. Um, and those chances would not have been given to me if I were, in, I think, in a larger city. I mean, I lived in Chicago. And I had the door slammed on me like everywhere. Like I tell people of color now, if they want to start a career in tech, go to a mid-sized place like Austin or Denver or any, literally any other place. Do not go to, to, to San Francisco. Do not go to New York City. Do not go to any of those places because their interest is, their interests are not in you. Right. You know, ironically, Denver's labeled as this, this you know, white, like the whitest of, and it's very white. It here, is very white. Yeah. It's, it, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, but ironically, the most welcoming, uh, community tech community has been right here. It, 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 and it's mind boggling and it's, and it's frustrating and it's saddening all at the same time. I had such an awful experience when it came to, you know, being a person of color and experience some like just jarring events that just left me disillusioned with, you know, Chicago, uh, in general. Uh, I think in Chicago itself has its own unique, I mean, I was just in Chicago like a week or two, no, I think it was over the weekend. Right. And there's the kid, I don't know if you heard about this, but the kid who, I don't know, what he was doing, probably just walking, uh, shot six times, 16 times in the back yeah. and the Chicago PD tried to alter, you know, local video so that it w wouldn't just show what happened, which was this kid was just walking and, you know, out of nowhere, boom, dead. Um, Chicago for whatever reason. And I think 
this leaks over into its tech community is indifferent to the plight of people of color. Um, and the city's segregation reflects that and the way the city treats its people of color reflects that. Um, it's, it's not a place that is, I, and I'd hate saying this, but it's, it's just not meant for, for people who look like me who are trying to break in. Mm -hmm. Like once I've tried, you know, you know, maybe after a couple of years I can go back, but, but if you are trying to just stand on your feet, you know, I saw, you know, opportunities that were meant for people who were disenfranchised, given to wealthy, wealthy white women. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and, and again, I don't want to make it sound like uh, um, women being, you know, inducted into the community of tech. Like, like I'm against that. It's the opposite. I'm a, fr a freaking, I'm a proud you know, freaking intersectionalist and I'll wave my flag. It was more like the hypocrisy of it and the, and the silence that, that sort of came along with, with it from white women. Mm -hmm. Like these are supposed to be your, your partners in adversity, but they're not there. They're, and not all, everyone's like that, but a lot of the times they're not there for you. Um, and so it kind of felt like it's, sometimes it feels like it's just this like, um, platform meant to, uh, benefit those who, uh, just to benefit, give power to those who already have more power than you. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of really devastating internally. There's a war that I have, um, that, that occurs internally from, uh, all the time, uh, within me, uh, about that, that is trying to figure this out and trying to figure how, how I can best still remain an ally and not let those feelings of frustrations and, 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 you know, um, of just be, be feeling disheartened or devastated get in the way of me still, still being an advocate, but it's tough. And it's the reason why a lot of black women don't even bother. Right. They don't even bother. They don't. I mean, if I post something on Facebook, just, you know, about white feminism, just like just something small, like you'll see 20 likes and it's all from my female of color friends. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's because they they get it. I didn't get it. Um, you know, I'm an immigrant. And so I have this. um this thing, this, this weird thing called hope. Um, and, uh, uh, and I say that uh, sarcastically and I hope no one takes offense to that, but you know, unfortunately, if you talk to any woman of color, they'll be like, yeah, we knew that. We know, <laughs> we know what they mean when they say, when they talk about these prog mm -hmm. programs, you didn't know you where you didn't get the memo. And I'm like, oh no. And then you do some reading and you read about, you know, the history of suffrage and, you know, what white women did then to marginalize African-American women. I was like, oh, God, OK, so they all right. OK, I get it now. Yeah. Um, it, it's just devastating. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> and on that note, I know on that note, it's been about an hour. So I guess I'm some sorry for. Yeah, being so chat chatty. No. Uh, this is stuff I'm really passionate no, about. No, I think it's oh. important. And I think 
like just to leave it on maybe a more hopeful note is just like try to pay attention to your biases like yeah you know it, this is for me definitely been a journey i'm definitely more informed now than i was when i started the podcast because you know those things we talked about earlier not being um as afraid to make mistakes and say the wrong thing and to learn from people i have you know i say things on twitter from from time to time and you know my transgender people or my transgender friends are like hey you're being exclusionary and i'm like yep. crap yep. i need I'm to correct that, that right yep. Yep. And so, um, so one, if you're making mistakes and people are correcting you, be like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, here's how I can correct my behavior Two, like, just realize that, you know, these are things that's gonna, that are going to happen in three. Remember that this is going to take work. Like, like, I'm not at all trying to discourage people from being really on board the women in tech issue because it is an issue but just like think about it as as like it's just the tip of the iceberg and you know include other other things in that you know it's not just about women in tech there are other other inclusion issues that our community has and and you know what i think i think the, the i think your the ideas you've expressed are incredibly powerful and i think if you compound that with one more thing I think once you realize this isn't about you, right? Like when, when my f- transgender friends, cause I was terrible about that. I was so proud for so, the longest time. I was like, I, I've got everything right. covered. Right. And then my transgender friends blew my mind and I was like, I have some reading to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the key to me taking that leap was to realize they're not mad at me. Right. They're mad at a system, at a, at a, at a, something much less tangible. You know, people oftentimes equate racism or sexism with these personal, personal affronts. But like for me, racism or like doing something racist, like I think it's just been ingrained into people. It's like, ah, racist, thus bad, does racist thing, thus racist, thus bad person. And it's not that simple, Right. You know, you, you and I might make a mistake when uh, when it comes to talking about transgendered persons and it's not, you know, it's not, I hope, I, I hope it's not because we're horrible people, but it's because, you know, when, when they make that correction, it's not because they think we're bad people. It's because they... It, it, it speaks to something larger. They're trying to create something much bigger than us. And that's, it's the same thing with race. It's the same thing. I mean, you can do a stupid thing and not be a stupid person. I don't understand why you can't say, like, do a homophobic thing and still not be a homophobic person. Right. You know, separating action from that. Like, it's possible. You can do it. Just just put your, check your ego at the door. You are not important. It's about something bigger than you. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like ending it there with some some steps to take because I like empowering people and I like feeling empowered. So that's always good. So um, it's been a joy to talk to you today. Um, where can people um, find out more about you online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Cashflow, K-A-C-H-E. 
F L O W E. Ooh, that moment where you don't know if you spell. You don't Twitter remember handle. how to spell, right? Yeah, no, it's K A C H E F L O W E. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'm on I'm on Twitter quite frequently. Um, I'm also available at Gargling with Razor Blades. Um, uh, Basil at Gargling Gargling with Razor uh, Obviously, you know, you can reach out to me through the blog. You can reach out to me through, um, you know, my email, LinkedIn. I, you know, if you, my name is just so weird, uh, it's not too hard to find me. If you Google Cashflow and Basil, you, you'll find me. You'll get to me. High five for unusual names. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find the show on Twitter at Less Than or Equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to relay.fm slash L-T-O-E and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it really helps the show if you leave a review on iTunes or tell a friend, tweet about it, email them, you know, whatever works. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or equal wait wait i want to thank you so much for letting me come and talk to you yeah. you are you are awesome you are amazing you are doing the work that i wish i could make the time to do but i can't I you don't need sleep as it some is sleep yeah yeah but I love what you're doing thank you. and, and think it's such a privilege to, to, to talk to you and to know that there are people who care. Oh my God. Like that just makes my heart like almost burst with joy. So thank you. Thank you. A money. Oh, and yeah. uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. And I've got to say this community, our community really is amazing. I'm not even, it really is. it's an amazing community full of uh, smart good people who want things to change. And I mean, I could cry, you know, I could cry because people want to change and we're working on it and I think it's going to happen. So it's exciting. I'm snapping my fingers. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.